You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're We're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Mic check, please. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Ducks on the Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. My name is John Gordon. I'll be your host. And I'm your host, Katie Burke. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America. The DU Podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, the official performance dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Purina Pro Plan, always advancing. everybody, welcome back. I'm your host on this episode, Dr. Mike Brazier. It's great to have y'all with us once again here after Christmas, and it is Christmas come a little bit late for us. We have in studio, physically, sitting right across the table from me, none other than... The one and only Dr. Scott Stevens. I used to introduce you from Ducks Unlimited Canada, but... That has changed. That has changed. Welcome back to Ducks Unlimited, Inc. Uh, and you're here with us physically uh, this week doing some visitation here around the around National Headquarters. And we're going to talk a little bit about that change in your, in your life here a little bit later on. But uh, it is great to connect with you finally in person in studio. Yeah, it's great to be here in the world-renowned podcast studio. I don't know if it's world-renowned, but we'll... I mean, we'll take that compliment from you however, however we can get it. it. It's fancier than my kitchen table, which is, is where I usually join from. Is it is it more spacious than you envisioned it, it's, or it, is it a little more cozy? It's cozy and more poorly lit. Oh, is it? Well, the poor, poorly lit aspect <laughs> is, is, 
our uh, producer over there, Chris Isaac. Well, maybe it's maybe, maybe that's not the right descriptor. Maybe it's more sort of mood lit. Mood lit. Okay, we'll yeah. take that. We'll yeah, take I mean that that's that's too. the yeah, positive he, that's spin. Chris Isaac says he agrees. With yeah, that, mood lit. Mood lit. So. We have you here. Uh, we wanted to take advantage of this opportunity with you uh, physically um, in the office to talk about, uh, you know, I guess a few things related to duck hunting and migration. It's early January and nobody's happy. It's that time of year when everybody <laughs> finds something nobody's to happy about. And, but, but seriously, this year, uh, about this time, it, it's, it's been a struggle across a lot of the country this year in terms of the number of ducks we're seeing, the number, the, the quality of hunts, hunting success. We're hearing it uh, from a variety of, of places and, and people. And I know a lot of our people are experiencing it too. Just talked to one of my coworkers and he said, we've shot seven mallards off our club in Arkansas. Now, now, are, now are you going to ask if the two of us are surprised? Because we, we're gonna get we talked we're earlier gonna, in the year, and it's like, not surprised. We're going to get there. That's kind of the nature of this conversation that we wanted to have, uh, checking in and get some of your thoughts on, on, yeah, what we're hearing, what we're seeing, how some of the weather has unfolded, and how all of that, whether we're surprised, given where we were in the spring, what we talked about uh, relative to habitat conditions, breeding habitat conditions, and then what is turning out to be a strong El Nino. I think it's firmly, look, I've looked at a lot of data sets or, or maps here lately. And one one graphic I, I saw had, had it firmly into the strong El Nino category. So a lot of, you know, it's, there's a lot of things that are sort of working against us in, in a lot of different locations with respect to uh, birds this year. And, and so, yeah, none of this surprises you that, nope. that you're hearing from people down south. Have you gotten that question a lot already here today? I haven't. Uh, a few people have asked about snow, and but that's sort of setting up next year. And the answer is we don't have much. It's been, it's been I think, in Manitoba, it's been the second warmest was the second warmest December on record. Second warmest December on record. And I know I, I saw some maps also from Wisconsin, from the upper Midwest and the U.S. prairies, record warmth in December yeah. um, across most of those geographies. The snow, you mentioned people asking you about snow, but that was primarily from the standpoint of what do things look like as we approach spring and yeah. the potential to, to put water back in some of those potholes. But Right now, early January, people down here are like, we need it to snow up north because we need it to cover up the food resources so birds will migrate. There's, yeah. we, We've talked over the years about what it is that triggers migration, and it's really cool to see a number of additional papers coming out now that are using new technologies, tracking individual birds, and are able to look at exactly when these birds are moving and when they're, they're initiating migration from those northern latitudes. And the same factors keep coming up. It's not a surprise, is right. it? No. Now, I should say, it's not like we're holding a pile of ducks in Manitoba. That is not true. Okay. Like, ducks left Manitoba in late October. So, we, we aren't holding the ducks, but it's been warm. There are other places a little further south that are probably holding ducks that, you know, normal weather would push those to more southern latitudes where a bunch of the folks who still have seasons open would be would be having their crack at them. So what about some of the western prairie provinces there? What are you hearing in terms of still some birds maybe in, in those locations? Yeah, places like Alberta probably still, well, I, I know I've seen, I've seen friends and colleagues on 
social media who are shooting geese that are ducks still around. I was in Iowa visiting family, and uh, I actually went for a little duck hunt. There was open water. That was over Thanksgiving. But I was back over Christmas, and I saw a little wad of mallards going into a cornfield. And so there are ducks still present in northern latitude states, for sure. Yeah, and I've been chatting with a few folks in Montana, Idaho as well. Uh, if they've got open water, if they've got uh, cut cornfields that don't have snow on them, they've got mallards and yep. they're pretty darn successful from what I've, what I've heard and what I've seen. And, you know, not to, not to confuse the matter uh, totally, there are a lot of people down here that are having sporadic success. I got a text message from from a friend just this morning. He and a buddy went out and got their two-man limit of mallards pretty short order. That's been a rarity for them, but there are still those opportunities yeah. out there. Well, well, I would think, I mean, usually what happens at these southern latitudes in these kind of years where it's dry and there isn't water spread all across the landscape is if you have good old H2O, mm. you are likely to have ducks. So that applies down here too. It applies down here too. Johnny Lynch was right. <laughs> ducks, the water in waterfowl, they still need some of that. They do. How yeah. about that? Uh, what else can you tell us about uh, snow, weather, anything that, you know, just uh, any superlatives uh, from, from either your experiences there in Manitoba or what you're hearing from from other people? Yeah, we've talked before about we were dry coming into the fall. We got some wet snow earlier in the year. It warmed up and that went away, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because it provided us with some soil moisture. But since then, we do not have much snow. Um, so there's very little snowpack. That's true across Saskatchewan too. And, and Alberta's always has a tendency to warm up. You know, it's like places in, in the Western U.S., Montana, where you get Chinook winds off the mountains and things warm up and they, they have almost no snow cover there too. Yeah, and what I was going to say just left me. Dang it. <laughs> you are 50 now. It happens. It happens to the best of us. Um, God, dog it. What was I going to say? I got it. It came back to me. So, Scott, you're talking about the snowfall into, into fall and, and winter. And I, I know this morning, you and I both would have received an email. And there's some, some maps that have, that come out, I think every week. Oh, yeah. I yeah. get a copy of them. You get a copy of them talking about soil moisture equivalent. I think that's yeah. the, yeah. Snow, snow, wa snow water, water equivalent, equivalent. Yeah. which is a map that depicts yeah, how much water is contained in the snowpack that is across the landscape there in Canada. And Alberta is brown. Alberta, Saskatchewan, brown. No mm -hmm. snow. So you're saying that that early snow that fell, warmed up, melted, and it's there's practically no snow on the ground, no moisture there in reserve right. for, for, for it, well, no, no snow for covering up food resources for birds that are still there, but then also for, uh, for the spring runoff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Could, dry, drought continues would drought. be the, the short news flash. And so that kind of takes me back to one of the things I wanted to, dis to discuss when, when talking with folks down here about the frustration that they're, they're having, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, what do you expect? It's an El Nino. It's a strong El Nino year. It's producing, um, well, we came into the fall and winter with extreme drought across, across the southeastern U.S. El, El Nino typically produces cooler, wetter conditions mm -hmm. across the southeast. Those haven't materialized yet. So we're short on moisture down here uh, right now. That's another complicating factor. But the other thing that an El Nino will produce is warm conditions in the north. That certainly uh, is is not helping. So, it's 
literally sort of the worst case it's scenario. A, literally a worst case scenario for what we need to to encourage ducks to migrate south, but then also to attract them once they do start migrating. You don't get the the weather, the climatological triggers for the migration, nor do you get those quote attractants to uh, once once they do start moving. But we can even go back last spring and talk about yeah. what was shaping up. And another reason why the things that we're hearing, the lack of, of duck numbers that we're, we're, we're seeing, um, the record low aerial waterfowl survey results that we're seeing from places like Arkansas and Louisiana. And that the, the factor that we kind of start with in this conversation, I guess there's two of them, breeding population survey and prairie habitat conditions. Remind us where those were. Yeah. So breeding population survey, we we had like like you hinted at, we for mallards, if we focus on them, we had some of the lowest counts that we've seen in a long time. They're about thirty years. Yeah, about thirty years. So, you know, what was the stat you shared earlier? In eighty percent of the years there would have been more mallards than we saw yeah. this year. Yeah. If you take so we've been doing the aerial survey for sixty Eight years, 66, 68 years, give or take a couple of years, depending on how you count the the COVID years. And if you took all of those results from Allard's, those 66 numbers, let's say, and then look to see where this year's number, um, 6.2, 6.1 million Allard's in the traditional survey area fell, 80% of those numbers would be higher than what we saw this year. So we didn't start out with a robust... No mallard breeding population in the traditional survey area, right? What else do we know about what ducks what, need in order to crank out ducklings? Yeah. So then we think about conditions that we had this past spring, mm-hmm. which was not great across much of the prairies of Canada for sure. Maybe we had a little bit better conditions in the in the Dakotas and the US prairies. But yeah, so that means we did not likely have stellar production. I know things were dry even late into the summer, which probably made brood survival not great. So low duck populations in the breeding pairs, less than ideal conditions for production. So yeah, we will have a fall flight coming south, you know, for all the folks at this latitude of mostly adult birds, not a ton of young birds. Nobody's going to be real excited about how they're going to behave. Even if you get water, you know, they're not going to be, you know, bombing into the decoys like we get when you have high populations and lots of young in the population. Now, there were some positive signals out of North Dakota. We talked about that last year as well. They did get some (laughs) rain and they did produce a few ducks. Um, But, and and there are probably a few other isolated areas across the prairies that that produce ducks. I'm not saying there weren't any ducks produced, right? But it was just, it was not going to be a banner year for duck production across that large landscape. And the Dakotas are only a small portion of that. I mean, during a good year, they'll, they'll support 34, 35% of that traditional survey area population. Was, the number that I was going to pull out of my head was 20%. 20%. Okay. Maybe yeah. in some of the recent really wet years that we had about 10 or 12 years ago, I think it might've gotten up to around 30, 35, but, but. We can check on that. We can check on that. But even anyway, 20 exists. to 35, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. so it, it's an important area, yeah. but there are a bunch of other areas and, you know, we know that many of those areas were dry didn't have great conditions. I know when I was out in the field this summer, I was struck by just how dry some of the landscapes were. 
you know, in even June. It's like there was no shallow water on the landscape. I know as I looked at those areas, it's like, ooh, this is going to be tough conditions from a brood survival standpoint. So even if, even as birds attempted to breed and hatch nests, not great conditions to have, you know, a high percentage of those ducklings survive. So that means, yeah, not, not many young in the fall flight that's not going to make folks at this time of the year at these latitudes yeah. very happy. They're going to be what I like to call ill-behaved. <laughs> they are not going to be friendly to your decoys. You're going to be like, why will they not yeah. do it right? Why will yeah. they not come in? It's yeah. like because they're mostly adult birds. And the unfortunate thing is folks at the northern end of the flyway get the crack at the most number of young birds that are out mm. there. And you know, even the young birds are well-educated by this point in time. Stay tuned to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, after these messages. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlantSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Scott, I also want to talk about the total duck number from the traditional survey area. It was 32.2, 32.3 million earlier uh, last year. And when I did the little percentile thing, take all the years that we've done this survey and put those numbers together, last year's number fell within about what we call the 35th percentile, meaning 65% of those numbers over that time period were greater than what we saw last year. So also for total ducks, we were starting with a pretty low breeding population. And we always say breeding population alone is an ingredient. It's not yeah. the end all be all because it takes habitat conditions that are good. It takes... Um, the right kind of conditions throughout that breeding season to, to stimulate nesting and then to stimulate renesting and then to support the broods, as you pointed out, to get those birds fledged. And then from a hunter perspective, 
You got to have the right type of conditions to stimulate that migration and then to put birds in your area where it is that you hunt. And those things have, all of those things have been challenging this year. So the one thing that I will say, just from my personal experience is we have killed some, uh, some, a fair number of young birds, Mm non-mallards. So there was obviously production uh, from some of those other dabblers, which where were they produced in the prairies, in the boreal? A lot of them were green wings. So you, you got to really think, that's right. Boreal birds there. Uh, We've, we've had pretty good success with a few juvenile um, shovelers as well. I mean, would those come from Alaska? Maybe. They, they um, could. Yeah. So, but, but there has been some production, but mallards, I think, have been, in terms of the juveniles that I've, I've seen in the bag, they've been fewer. Yeah, and when I think back on, you know, my, my duck season has been over for a while, you know, by the end of October, but when I think back, you know, when people had asked me, how was your duck season? It's like, it was okay, but it was tougher, mm. you know, even on breeding areas that I hunt because things were drier. You know, we had birds around late in the year, but they were not everywhere across the landscape. So it's like when we found them, I had some really good hunts at the end of the year, but ducks were not everywhere. Like they can be in some years when we have wetter conditions. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, to kind of wrap this up, we do have, we've, we have in like the two week forecast, we're recording this on January 3rd, about two weeks out, there are prospects for a really cold Outbreak. Now it's two weeks away. A lot can happen. We've all That's seen right. that many, many times. Yeah. It, can, it can get colder or it can get 20 degrees warmer. Two, uh, two weeks out, sometimes that forecast is just the mean of this time yeah. of year, right? <laughs> That's so. right. But it certainly doesn't look like the mean of this time of year whenever you look at it. It looks like there's a pretty severe polar vortex disruption, if I'm getting that terminology correct, uh, forecast about two weeks out. And I, it's tempting for Southern hunters to get really excited about that. But it's also getting late. It's getting yeah. it's getting closer and closer to breeding season, and so those birds are already full uh, feeling the pull to breed. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I, I was thinking when I recall the time that I spent yeah in the South hunting ducks. Once you get into January, like a bunch of birds are paired and aren't really interested in coming to decoys. You know where there's a you know, a whole pile of birds together because paired birds kind of like to be off and isolated. So, you know, it's like, oh, here comes a pair. They should come right in. They'll land like 80 yards away, right? The only thing worse than a pair like that is a courtship flight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, But make no mistake, if it gets, well, I'm going to be out there anyway in a couple of weeks, but if it- Well, my advice earlier was hunt. You might as well hunt. Life is short, you better hunt. Um, if, If the weather temperature, if the forecast holds, then yeah, I'm going to get excited because it's going to change things. It's going to freeze some water. It's going to force birds to move around. Even the few that we do have in some of the southern locations, they're going to move around and they're going to make themselves available for for hunters in other locations. Uh, but then also it will, I, if that forecast holds, it will move some birds from some of those northern latitudes. Will it create a mass exodus of birds? It's going to depend on how much snow they get. I've, yeah. And snow is the is probably the aspect of those long-term forecasts that I have in my unprofessional or unexpert, you know, perspective found least reliable. You know, I, I could be wrong, but I, you've lived there. You've When you think about those two-week forecasts, do you put more weight into the temperature or the snow for, forecast? Probably into the temperature. Yeah, that's kind of my thinking now, too. Now, maybe we, we need a meteorologist on here, Frazier, because yeah, I don't, I don't know how good two-week 
precip forecasts are these days. Maybe those have improved mm, dramatically and know. we could be educated on that. But yeah, t- two weeks out, yeah, I, it's hard to know exactly how systems are going to move. You know, usually three days out, they have some idea, but the track can change and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's going to get cold. Will there be snow everywhere to push birds south? Yeah, we don't know. Stay tuned. Yeah. Well, so I, I think if you hadn't picked up on it from, from Scott's and my conversation, what we're hearing from people here in Southern latitudes, what we're seeing in some of the surveys that states are conducting, um, doesn't none of that surprises us. Nope. Given all of the factors that we've we've talked about, we're not happy about it. We're not thrilled. Uh, we would like for things to be much more favorable from a weather, habitat, population abundance perspective. Um, that's certainly the case, but we don't have that this year. And yeah. so those these years are going to happen. We just hope they don't happen too often. Yeah. I, I was going to say, tongue in cheek, if, if you don't like all of this variation and challenges due to environmental condition, you need to be like an upland bird hunter yeah, or something. Where, probably not for you. Yeah, duck, duck hunting may not be your gig because, because we, we deal with that all the time. It's a key driver. Scott, we'll put that conversation to the side. I'm sure we will connect with you here in the coming months as we get closer to the breeding season. We're going to be hoping for a lot more moisture between now and, and April. Um, yeah. To, to fill some of those wetlands because it's not looking good up there right now. No, if, if we think this year was tough, if it stays as dry as it is right now. You think it's going to get back to like 21 uh, conditions during 2021? Yeah, good It'd question. it be close. Yeah. Be, and that was like really, really dry. Some of the driest conditions we had seen in since the yeah. late 80s maybe. And in 21, we didn't have the survey, right? So That's we correct. Didn't, didn't have the pond count to actually That's document right. where That's we right. Were. That's right. We yeah. estimated those. Yeah. And I think we had some questions about those. Yeah. But uh, let's move on real quick. I want to talk about your, uh, your move uh, back to DU Inc. A lot of folks may not remember that I think we probably talked about this one of the first times we inter- interviewed you, your background, and uh, you worked for DU. Your, your start first came with DU Inc. right here at, at headquarters. Tell us about that. Yeah, I started here at DU's national headquarters in Memphis, Tennessee on my birthday, August 12th, 1996. So that's been a while ago. It doesn't seem like that long ago, but yeah, it's been a number of years ago now. So I spent Almost 15 years with the U Inc. And then in December of 2010, moved for a role with the U Canada and have been up there until until uh, a couple days ago in, in a role with them. So, yep, transitioning back back home, you could say, to work with the U Inc. again. And yeah, excited about the new role. So, You're from Iowa originally? Grew up in Iowa, yeah. yeah. And so the opportunity for the, the position that you're new that you've newly taken uh, is is what? Tell us about that. Tell us what you're going to be doing, and and are, how excited are you? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited. So the position, the title is director of prairie and boreal strat. Jeez, oh, I, I should <laughs> I should know what this title is. <laughs> director of prairie and boreal conservation strategy. There it is. It came to you. It came to me. Uh, still new. It's yeah, still new. it's still new. Yeah, this is the second day on the job. <laughs> First day was just traveling to Memphis. 
So, yeah, and really the charge, the big picture is to help facilitate our success in those two geographies, which are without question the two most important geographies on the continent from yeah. a waterfowl perspective. So that's exciting. It's like getting to spend all my time and energy focused on driving our success in the two areas most important to ducks. It's like, if you're a duck guy like me, what what could be better? I mean, that, that's a pretty sweet deal. I, I yeah. know whenever you saw that that announcement, the position announcement, I know you had to get pretty excited about that. Yeah, it's like, please don't throw me in the briar patch. Right. Uh, is this... Is this position similar to, but maybe an expansion of what we, what our good friend, Dr. Fritz Reed had been doing for quite some time? Yeah, I, I would call it sort of an evolution of that because Fritz's role was mostly focused on the boreal. Yep. And uh, so this is an expansion to capture the prairies and the boreal. And yeah, it it feels like a good fit for me because I've spent a bunch of time helping, you know, do science and then deliver conservation in the prairies of the U.S., the prairies of Canada and the boreal. So, yeah, it's it's kind of a logical fit and I am excited about it. We'll get to work with a bunch of colleagues that that I knew from my start with the Inc. and some of my colleagues from DU Canada that I've been working with most recently. So really looking to facilitate their success you know, as we come up with strategies where we can make more progress from a conservation standpoint, we'll need money to do that conservation work. So we'll get to work with our development teams on both sides of the border to raise the money that we need to deliver that conservation work. And then finally, um, we know that policy work plays an important role. And so we'll integrate with policy teams as we think about what are the key plays from a policy standpoint for the conservation in those geographies. And it's a great time to have you uh, come on in this in this position because we've recently had the public launch of our of our new fundraising campaign, right? Um, Conservation for a continent. So it's going to be great to have you involved, fully involved in that. Uh, I know. Yeah. I uh, suspect you've had some conversations about that already today. If not, I'm sure you will. Uh, yeah. But you're you're so well positioned. You know, we have a lot of friends, mutual friends within the organization. And whenever we saw the position announcement, I'll just be honest, there were several of us that were texting one another and says, yeah, that... That looks like looks like it might be appealing to Scott, and, and and it was, and it was, and we are also like, yeah, it'd be real appealing to us to have Scott in that position. So things worked out. They did. Glad that glad that happened. I know you're gonna I know you're gonna miss your colleagues there on a day to day basis in DU Canada. You're still gonna get to work with a lot of those folks, and that's a great thing. We're still family of three organizations right. from Mexico to Canada. Nothing changes in that regard, does that's it? That's right. Nope. Mission's the same for all three of us. Still focused on filling the sky with ducks yeah. forever. And and you're not going to be here in headquarters. You know, you're not going to be living here. I don't know if y'all have made any decisions there yet, but uh, you've got some options. And yeah, we've got options. Um, we will relocate by at the latest mid-May to one of the Great Plains states. So options there: the two Dakotas, Montana, Colorado, Wyoming, Nebraska. I think Kansas is maybe in 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 the region too. But yeah, so. Yeah, a big area to choose from. Um, I've told people I think I have a forty-nine percent vote in where we land. My wife will have <laughs> will have a strong opinion, and she'll she'll have strong influence on where we and where the kids end up. Will maybe well, sway the, some of yeah, that voting. The, yeah, my kids are in Missouri and Iowa now, so yeah, we'll be we'll be closer to them. It'll I think be there's a, some. Kansas City Chiefs fandom and yeah. maybe Kansas City Royals fandom yeah, in yeah. your, I've in your family. Yeah, I've got my I've got my Royals uh, 
City Connect socks on nice. today. Okay. So yeah, yeah, it's it's a tough time to be a Royals fan. A little easier to be a Chiefs fan. Yeah, but maybe not so much recently. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll get it straightened out. Yeah. Well, Scott, that's going to wrap it up for us today. Appreciate you taking the time to to join us here in the studio again. Welcome back to DU Inc. Uh, and look forward to having more conversations with you about all the new work that you're doing. But we'll continue to have you on on the podcast for these periodic updates because you'll still have an eye on those habitat conditions out oh, there yeah. closer to the prairies. Yeah, I, I, and I still plan to visit to uh, you know do field work up there in the fall. For That's sure. right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. If you ever need any help, you know where I am. Uh, right? I do. So. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Mike. A very special thanks for our, to, our, to our guest on today's episode, Dr. Scott Stevens, now back with DU Inc. And we, we look forward to, to all our future conversations and the great work that we'll do conservation-wise with him. As always, we thank our producer, Chris Isaac, for the great job that he does with these editing these podcasts, also the mood lighting here in the podcast room. It's, <laughs> it's fantastic. He's really stepped up his game there. We appreciate that. And then to you, the listener, we thank you for your time. We thank you for supporting the podcast and for your commitment commitment to waterfowl conservation and for your commitment to waterfowl and wetlands conservation yeah the wetlands man my brain is just fried you you need that what is that supplement for brain health thank you for listening to the du podcast sponsored by purina pro plan the official performance dog food of ducks unlimited purina pro plan always advancing be sure to rate review and subscribe to the show and visit ducks.org slash du podcast Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit campuswaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside.